1: irreverent over the top and smart as a whip. this is the rob black show
2: i have not been coming on air recently saying woohoo another record high i've got a little bit of the summertime blues i got a little bit of the blahs. i got a little bit of the dog days of august wearing on it doesn't feel like we're in a momentum charge which is fine i don't expect that having some problems finding stories that are inspiring and intriguing mixed in with investment advice. I'm I'm leaning more towards the advice right now. That may be a winner, winner, chicken dinner for you, but for me, I'm just not seeing it. like we're waiting for the Fed the Fed's Jackson Hole event. Now it used to be Jackson Hole's up in Wyoming. You know, it used to be like, oh, I wonder what they're going to be wearing. I wonder if he's going to have a briefcase in his left hand or right hand. We would speculate what, oh, if it's in his left hand, that means good things. If it's in his right hand, that means we're going to cut back on the economy. The S&P 500, the NASDAQ are hovering near all-time highs. For the record, I should give a tip of the hat to the NASDAQ cracking 15,000 and holding above it this week. But just, I don't know, maybe I need a vacation, right? I took two days off to support My family during a move. Um, I think I need some real time off. New jobless claims filed came in higher than expected. First-time unemployment claims, it's a piece of economic data that I rely on because it helps form the picture of how many people in America have jobs. We lose jobs, we create jobs. Part of this whole jobs number is losing jobs. To me, the rebound momentum in the economy... In the stock market, the economy, obviously rebounding from COVID-19, but the stock market, every time we pull back, like, I think we had a bad week two weeks ago, but eh, not so much anymore. Now we're just kind of rolling over sideways, so it feels like we're losing a little bit of gas. It feels like the car is still moving, but it doesn't feel jacked. Maybe it's like your iPhone battery. Eh, After three or four years, it feels like it takes a little bit longer to start up. There's been a lot of good change on the major indices this week. The Russell 2000 up 3.3%. The S&P mid-cap 400 up 2.5%. The NASDAQ up 2.2%. The S&P 500 is up 1.2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up eight tenths of one percent. But here's the thing. The winners haven't been, how shall we say, the all-stars. The winners have been off kind of names. Um, they've been names that aren't, how shall we say, sexy. I love using the word sexy when it comes to stocks because I think you get where I'm trying to go. Cyclical stocks. People are embracing value. Um, There's a risk on mentality as we go higher. People are nervous about buying Apple at all-time highs, so they're buying other things at all-time highs, all because the Delta related COVID cases are, are high profile right now. I was talking to my morning producer, Drew, and he was like, yeah, the news last night was all about COVID kids, kids with COVID, COVID kids dying in hospitals, COVID, and you get a little discouraged. So when I use that as the backdrop, as the soundtrack to what's happening on Wall Street, I kind of get that there's a reason to, to embrace risk and say, I don't want to buy... XYZ at an all-time high, I'll find something else to buy. Because bonds, there's no alternative. T-I-N-A. We can't find other things to buy that are attractive. So we're buying the unattractive names. It's almost as if, and let me use an example that's going to make me sound like a big deal. It's almost as if I'm, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is a better one. Have you ever seen life pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio? I think he thinks women sour when they turn 25 years old in one day. So he turns on them. He gives up on them. He goes for younger women, younger models. And it's almost as if suddenly we wake up and Leonardo DiCaprio is dating a 50-year-old woman. Keanu Reeves is dating a woman who's his age, and it's awesome to see because he knows he could be pulling supermodels, fashion models, and suddenly he's pulling a something his own age card. And I'm like, awesome. I like Keanu Reeves even more. What is it about Keanu Reeves that we like so much? Why is he so likable? Considering he's not the best actor. <laughs> he's likable and he's got charisma, Exposes what it's all about, right? Same things happen on Wall Street right now is we're starting to say, you know, I don't need to buy a company that's at a five-year high in valuation. I can buy The Ugly Stepsister or in a John Hughes movie. The cheerleader's sister, <laughs> so the cheerleader is the main character that uh, is fallen in love with. He has a crush on her, but she ends up dating jerks, not him. But then the, the sister of the cheerleader, who's wearing glasses and sweat clothes, walks down the stairs and takes off her hairband. And suddenly she's got the hair of a model. It's like, whoa, I should have known this all along. That's what's coming down the stairs on Wall Street right now. Value it's not bonds. Bonds are too short, too small. We don't like the returns. We don't like the yields. If the yields were higher, we'd be like, eh, suddenly you're a little more attractive to me. But when you can't beat inflation in bonds, it's, it's problematic. I know you're saying, Rob, you're my favorite financial media show because you just compared the stock market to a John Hughes film where the main character's in love with a cheerleader, but he falls in love ultimately with a girl who's always in front of him, his buddy his pal, the smart girl, the sister of the cheerleader, who's a frumpy dumpy, but really all she has to do is take off the glasses and the sweat clothes and let her hair out of a hairband, and suddenly she's the hottest thing on the planet. So today, there's a bit of good corporate news. The earnings calendar is littered with high-profile reporters, including Salesforce.com, which reported wonderful results. They're up 2.8% today. Other companies, Ulta Beauty, they sell makeup. Snowflake, William Sonoma. I like William Sonoma. I'll be honest with you, in the world of furniture, I'm kind of a William Sonoma kind of guy. I'm not a restoration hardware kind of guy. I find restoration hardware to be overpriced. Yeah, it's kind of dumb looking. For lack of a better way of explaining it, I'm a William Sonoma guy. I prefer this William Sonoma stock. Restoration Hardware was once a very, very sexy stock in the 1990s, and it went bankrupt. <clears throat> Williams Sonoma has multiple brands, including West Elm, that have different price points for people to, and Pottery Barn that have different price points for people to really appreciate. And like, if I need beer steins, I bought a cool home recently. I need really cool beer steins. I'm gonna go to Williams Sonoma for them. Other names that had good reports: Dollar General, Dollar Tree, James Mucker. JM Smucker <laughs> this one's going to make you laugh what do they make they make jams they make some other brands too it's like uh, worthy of note but that's kind of a boring stock is it not I think it is. Um, is you've probably seen commercials for Smucker's jams or I don't know I don't want to get too much into this content. But you can make money on Wall... You can invest in a lot of diverse companies. So you can even invest in fruit preservatives. Yeah, I know. He just said you can invest in fruit preservatives. Yes. Jams apricot. You get the idea. Wall Street's favoring the sister of the cheerleader right now. Not the cheerleader. And I'm all for it because we know how the story ends. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com.
1: Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show. Questions about
3: how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com robblackshow.com
2: I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. The dog day is the summer, right? It should be noted and it should be honored today is National Dog Day. Pet care sales took off last year as mom and dad had to homeschool kids via Zoom. Kids really weren't hanging out with other kids in a lot of parts of America. So we gave them a dog. I was so ugly as a child, my mom had to tie a pork chop around my neck to get the dog to play with me. I know, I know. You're saying, is that true? (laughs) There is some truth to that. All bite and no bark is what the industry is all about right now. Pet care sales are going to grow 5.8% this year from an industry high of $103.6 billion. Add another 5.8% onto that. There's a... I look at a lot of data and I probably come across as maybe relatable, but I'm really nerdy with an ability to tell a good story. There's something called the CPG, which is the consumer products group, and it ranks everything that we buy. And I look at the top 50 categories. And inside the top 50 categories, I sometimes come up with investment ideas. So go Google consumer products group, CPG, sales, And you'll see that pet food is the fifth best-performing consumer products group. What's higher than it? Beer, soda. What's lower than it? Wine and milk. So we spend more on pet food in the United States than we do on wine and milk. And I can tell you, my spouse is doing her part in the wine drinking category. I'm not saying she's sloppy. I'm saying she's, if you were to need to ask her her blood type, it's probably Mondavi. It's not A positive. It's not B negative. It's Mondavi. And I'll shut up because I'm about to get into a lot of trouble with her on this category of conversation. There's some investments that you can obviously find in pet food. Do you think it's going to go away is a big question. That's a really good question. Do you think we're going to stop spending money on our animals? And the answer I think is no. I had a dog who drove me a little bit insane, high needs, and it's funny because sometimes you could talk about learning disabilities as high functioning, but with dogs, you kind of talk about their needs, oh, he takes care of himself, he's got hair problems, he's got too much hair, too little hair, oh, he tends to get bit at the dog park. And three years ago, when Maisie, the wonder dog, passed, it was time for him to buy another dog. And I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, it's going to hinder my ability to get to Hawaii. It's going to hinder my ability if I get this breed that is highly needy. And I just needed it. So I wanted it. I needed it. I got it. There's a company called Petco that's publicly traded. Um, Their numbers look really solid. Would I buy them? Probably not. Twenty five years ago when I was doing this show, I talked about a company called VCA Antech, who I did very, very well with until the company went private. VCA Antech was a veterinarian service. And if you've ever gone to the vet, it's not cheap. And dog insurance is something most people should get if you can just type the name of your breed. Are Vishlas expensive? <clears throat> Cost of a Weimer. How much do Dalmatians cost in healthcare? Like you can do some of this yourself. <clears throat> Peco is not my favorite name because they're kind of a, a a big old factory in my mind. There's other stocks that I like that I think are a little bit more attractive. Animal owners continue to spend money on their companions. The pet industry has consistently risen. With back in 1994, we're talking about 72 billion. Now we're talking over 100 billion a year. That's pretty good money. I'm having some coffee issues today. So back to the National Dog Day. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. If you talk to pet owners, they're a little bit on the insane side. What's the best dog food? And you'll hear people talk about Jinx or the Farmer's Dog or Nom Nom, which I think has to be a play on the Muppets. Nom 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 Nom. There's dog food companies like Da Oli or is it Ollie fresh and 100% human-grade ingredients. I like that we refer to it as human-grade ingredients. Needless to say, I find this an attractive category and just continuing to talk a little bit about National Dog Day, which I think should be celebrated. (laughs) The online business is picking up. The businesses like Petco have figured out curbside delivery. They've figured out how to ship it to you. They are just as savvy as Amazon. Petco has even announced that they're hopping on the buy now, pay later train, which I don't know why we need that, but apparently we do. Pet adoption centers and organizations celebrate National Dog Day by waiving adoption fees. Pets continue to be in high demand. I think you should try to find a... a, no, no, no. I want to be very careful on how I say this. I don't think you should buy, I don't think you should look at buying a, a stock on pets. I think you should look at you know what consumers spend money on. And the number five category is pet food. The number one category, like soda. I I would say is it has it been a wise investment investing in Coca-Cola and Pepsi in the last 30 years? It has. I'll let you figure out the investment. I'll let you figure out if it's appropriate for you. But I'll tell you, it's a pretty good spin category. Changing topics, and be nice to your dog today. (laughs) Excuse me. I think I got the black lung.
0: Um,
2: The markets are not great today. The markets are not bad. We're kind of waiting on the Federal Reserve. markets opened, kind of break even sideways. And remember, sideways is not always down. Sideways on Wall Street isn't bad. Up is good, down is bad. We know that in our head. We're losing money when we're in the red, we're making money when we're in the green. Sideways not so bad. If the trend is up, sideways isn't so bad, it's digestion. But today we started sideways digesting and we're kind of losing interest. Expect a very soft message coming out from the Fed about tapering. They've already given the hard one that at some point in time, it's going to end maybe in September. Expect them to be a little bit more sensitive about how they say it on air. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth. Check me out at Rob Black Show. If you need a CFP, let me know.
1: Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com.
3: A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. I do three and a half hours of financial media a day.
2: <clears throat> I will admit that <clears throat> I'm not smarter than you that I just work harder than you. I dedicate myself to looking introspectively at all the headlines, all the news, all the research. My budget for financial media and financial research is bigger than yours. This is all I do. Every now and then a story comes along that I just don't understand, and I, I go, I need to understand this. Cryptocurrency. I would say you probably had a head start on it. I probably know it better than you. With that said, there's going to be things that you know better than me, just naturally and innately. There'll be things where I can tell you, like, Tim Cook just finished his 10th year at Apple. I think we should have a debate. Who's the better CEO, Tim Cook or Steve Jobs? Some people obviously see say Tim Cook took the torch from Steve Jobs and didn't drop it. But I'll tell you, the share performance in the last 10 years has been pretty sweet. Tim Cook is the only CEO that I can really think about that has made a billion dollars and not been the founder of the tech company. Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, all founders, right? All billionaires. 10 years ago, Tim Cook took over from Steve Jobs, and he just received his 10th tranche of stock options. The haul of 5 million shares are worth roughly $750 million now. Apple stock return over the past three years passed. At least two-thirds of the companies of the S P p 500. I think we should have a conversation one day on Tim Cook's performance as CEO versus Steve Jobs. I don't want to do it today. I'm not prepared. Tim Cook's 60 years old. I give him another two to five years. And then we're going to say, who's the next CEO? Who gets the torch? CEO is important. Here I am saying that, you know, Tim Cook is a bit of a technocrat. um, And his predecessor had star power that he doesn't have. But on his watch, the company's revenue has more than doubled and shares returned more than 1,100%. I think we should have that conversation. The guys who founded Yahoo as they became billionaires and they started to phase out of the business. What happened? There was failure. Massive failure. The founders of Google, every now and then you'll see a story in financial media about how one of them is living on an island off the grid are <laughs> like, yeah, I could have seen that one coming. But in their heyday, they were the cutting edge voices of technology. One of the areas of technology that I say that I I outwork you on is embarrassingly true. I looked at TikTok. I'm like, I don't get it. My niece is dancing to a video. I don't get it. Where's the money? Show me the money. And let me give you, here's when you can like, oh, I get it. In the TikTok era, dorm rooms have become the backdrop of content. It's not about dancing to a goofy song. It's not about taking in a bucket of ice and dumping it on your head. It's about selling dorm room headboards, dorm room lighting, dorm room accessories, dorm room keyboards. Do you remember going to college? Do you remember that outlay of cash of giving your, your dorm room as sweet as possible? My big purchase was, I think it's called a husband. It's a big pillow that you kind of sit in. And you read your college books in a window or on the floor. That was my big purchase. I know you're saying, ooh, you and I had a typewriter that was a word processor, which is really, really funny. I didn't even have a computer. There's a cottage industry of influencers right now that are really pushing home to core brands. Now I've got a niece who is a TikTok influencer, um, social media. She's six foot five, and that's her appeal to influencers. She's tall. So she works with uh, advertisers who want to sell tall fashion or chubby fashion. People who are overweight. They're not looking for the ideal five foot eight, and five foot ten model. They're looking for what society would say is on the real side of what women look like. But dorm rooms are dorm rooms are a big hall. And if you look at hashtag dorm life or hashtag dorm. On TikTok, there's 27,000 videos. There's 299 million views. Hashtag dorm life has 2.7 billion views. Students aren't gonna be cutting costs this year. Three million plus Americans are becoming freshmen in college and leaving mom and dad. Moving towards dorm room living. That's three million people who have a budget probably a little bit more than I had going to college real businesses are popping up out of this. There's a company called Dormify, which was started by a mother and daughter back in 2011, and they really understood the Instagram's culture. I didn't. I understand the aesthetic of curation. I can tell you that um, during the pandemic, I wanted to do a remodel on my kids' rooms, trying to make them hip and cool. And I turned to a curator. And it was it was almost like William Sonoma hash I searched for William Sonoma cool dorm rooms. So I created little dorm rooms for my kids. A year and a half ago I didn't understand the importance of TikTok. A year and a half ago I could have gone to TikTok and typed in hashtag dorm or hashtag dorm life and I would have got the same kind of inspiration. Generation Z is looking for inspiration. They're focusing on product, 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 not enough. They want to see how they can turn their dorm room into photo opportunities, how they can turn their dorm room into swag cool. 90% of Generation Z says they discover new products and brands on social media. TikTok's not publicly traded, but when it is, it is going to be one heck of a winner-winner chicken dinner for advertisers. And I want to be there because 90% of generation Zers say they discover new products and brands on social media. You can have the best product in the world, but if people can't find it, you're out of luck. Now I understand TikTok. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. All social media, including, nope, I'm not on TikTok. All social media except for TikTok. Rob Black Show.
1: Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com.
3: A personal financial plan with custom investment advice. That's why Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over 12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP services were built with you in mind. How can they help you? Find out at robblackshow.com. Rob Black Show. Joining me now, Stephanie Richmond,
2: regional director at EP Wealth. She's also a wealth advisor. She's in Northern California and she's a financial planner. Let's talk a little bit about what a financial planner does and how important it is. The retirement planning guide I have on my website. So we're gonna hit a lot of topics there. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Nice to be here. So- so we have some good downloadables at RobBlackShow.com. It's RobBlackShow.com. And one of the big ones, one of the step ones on envisioning your retirement, what's it look like? I know you have a lot of clients. I have to imagine in the Bay Area, there are a lot of different type of clients.
4: Definitely. I I mean, you know, from uh, young tech executives who want to retire early, right, to doctors who, you know, want to work well into their 70s because they love what they do so much, you know, to professors, to all kinds of professionals and and families um, that are working towards retirement.
2: So when they envision their retirement, that's going to be different for every one of them, because someone who wants to work in their 70s versus maybe someone who's cashing out a big stock option on a tech play. Um, Some probably want to travel the world. Some probably want to live frugally and save their money. Some want to be closer to friends and family you probably have to go through an information gathering process. What's that look like and feel like to get to know someone kind of on a pretty intimate level?
4: Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, it, uh, as you said, retirement vision differs for everybody. I mean, there's some commonalities, sure. But I think when, we, when I start that da- data gathering process, the question I like to ask first is, you know, when you think about your retirement, what's most important to you? Okay. Right? So that's, 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 a, that's probably the biggest question. And then from there, I'll ask more specific questions such as, you know, does that include travel or are you planning to stay in your current home or move? You know, where do your kids live? And and so on. And that just opens up the conversation.
2: So probably one of the things you have to do is you start figuring out what their goals are, is how they're going to fund their goals. And you probably work with annual expenses and budgets. Is that a process process? do you find that a process for people who are coming to you for wealth management or have they done a pretty good job in their life at that point in time to create wealth? So therefore they know what's going on.
4: You know, it's, it's really interesting when I reflect back, I've been doing, I've been working with individuals and their financial planning or retirement planning since 1993. And, you know, there's, there's individuals across the spectrum, people who are not prepared at all. They haven't even, they haven't sat down to think about what, their retirement will look like and they haven't applied any numbers to it you know in other words what it'll cost and they just don't want a budget right so when I when I ask them you know what do you think your retirement will look like and what will it cost um, they don't really have a clear answer so it then truly is a process of deduction right and what I try to encourage them to do is really start thinking seriously about this anywhere from three to five years before they want to retire you know, to see in, indeed if they can and and um, or validate their thoughts, in fact, that they they truly can. And then you got you have folks on the other side of the spectrum. I, I worked a lot of my uh, my years in Silicon Valley and Palo Alto, and it was really interesting. so I sat down with a lot of engineers, and you know oftentimes they came to me with detailed spreadsheets of their expenses. And, you know, they were, you know, uber prepared to consider how much it may cost. Uh, And so it it runs the gamut. But the the key is, is that working with perhaps a lump sum, thinking, oh, I can spend this, often doesn't work. You know, we want to give some consideration to the details as we get close to retirement. Because I had a a client who had a lot of money, who still had a lot of money, by the way, uh, but threw a big number at me. And when we built their retirement plan, they, they didn't want to sit down and look at the details, by the way. Their plan failed. They just threw a big annual number, and I went, wow. And so it was a bit surprising, but they said, well, why don't you lop this much off the top? And I thought, wow, that's a big number. So what happened when we did that, we found is that it still failed, But what was most interesting to me is that they really didn't know how much they spent or they didn't really keep a close watch on it. And therefore, yes, um, it was definitely a process. And we sat down over the course of a few months to really work out their spending needs, what they might spend in future, and we are to show them if they, they took the steps to cut their expenses in certain areas that their plan would work and they could retire at age 60.
2: When I was an investment advisor, I always found that the engineers were the toughest to work with because they had spreadsheets that were better than my spreadsheets, but I'm digressing. <laughs> I'm speaking no, with no, Stephanie I hear, I hear you. <laughs> She's regional yeah. director and wealth advisor with EP Wealth. One more factor in this. It's not just about lump sums of money. It's also about how long you're going to live to live off that lump sum of money. Can you talk a little bit about determining your timeline for retirement? Because I had a dad who died 58 and a mom who died at 85. I don't know which way I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. If I go at the age of 58, I should be spending my money. If I go at the age of 85, I should be saving my money. How do you figure out a timeline for a client?
4: Yeah, that's a really good question, Rob. You know, it does vary for everybody, and that's, of course, the you know, the, the big question, and nobody really has a crystal ball. We have to look at our, our family history, and we also have to look at our our health, right? How are we doing, and what are we doing to make sure – you know, we're living, you know, a lifestyle that will allow us to enjoy retirement for a while. And, you know, I'm, it's funny, I'm very similar to you. My dad died when I was just 21. He was only 44 years old and his, die, his dad died at 42 and gosh, his father died at, at, at uh, 42 as well. So, you know, looking at my father's side of the family, there was not a lot of longevity. On my mom's side, there's some of that as well, but she's still going strong at 82, right? So again, I'm with you, who knows? But The key, the key to looking at, uh, timeframes is to plan long, right? I mean, right now, if you look at the average 65 year old woman who's in good health, there's a 50% likelihood she's gonna live to 85, right? There's a 25% likelihood she's gonna probably make it to 96, believe it or not. And for men, there's a 50% chance they're gonna make it to a little over 83 and a 25% chance they might get to 94. So, you know, our goal here at EP, for example, is to plan to age 100, and sometimes we have a client, you know, balk at that saying, hey, that's way too long, I'm never gonna make it. But you know, the key is, is you don't want your money to run out before you do. And Mm -hmm. so it's better to plan long, or as we call it, to plan conservatively, to make sure you'll have the assets there if you need them.
2: What was your career path to becoming a financial planner?
4: Oh, thank you, Rob. I will, yeah, I'd love to share. You know, I I started off, uh, I guess you could say, um, my adult years or, in, you know, started off in college thinking I was actually going to be an interior designer, if you can believe it.
1: Uh-huh. I
4: I loved art. <laughs> I used to draw all the time. But, you know, when I got into college, what I realized, yes, I could draw, but I probably wasn't the best at it. I wasn't actually sure I could make a living at it. Mm-hmm. So I started to think, well, perhaps I should target the business side of things, and so I switched my major to interior design, thinking I could, you know, employ the best of both worlds—business and maybe art or at least some aesthetic. Right? But as I started to move through that um, particular major, I realized that I wasn't particularly confident that I could make a, a good living at it, and it was really important for me to be able to take good care of myself because I wasn't sure what my financial future looked like and you know one of the things that was instilled in me you know very early is that you know I needed to be money smart because you know frankly I had to sort of earn my own way I started working when I was 15 and a half right you know I I I my father and mother were you know uh very middle class you know they were able to you know buy me a, a good used car when when I when I got my license, but, you know, I had to buy the insurance and pay for the gas. So I had to make sure I had the money coming in so that I could do that. And what I realized very early on is the importance of hard work and, and you know, earning a dollar um, and that it made me feel secure. And so, you know, frankly, after interior design, I, I, I was trying my hand at various things at junior college in Sacramento, American River College, and, well, to make a long story short, I realized that I was pretty good at accounting, and I decided to stick with that. And that, you know, eventually uh, was what I graduated with—a degree in accounting. But I'll cut to the chase here. One of the things that is true is while I feel like I'm pretty good with numbers, I like right. to talk a lot, and I really like engaging with people. And so what I eventually found my way to was, you know, the career—a career as a financial planner. It, it it took a winding path, and I can share more of that with you if you like. Um, but that is how I got my start.
2: I like it. EP has a great downloadable on my website called the Retirement Planning Guide. That was Stephanie Richmond. She is regional director and wealth advisor with EP Wealth. I'm super stoked to be working with her. She's a great financial planner, very insightful. Today we talked about determining your timeline for retirement and also envisioning your retirement. There's a retirement guide at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Go download it at the retirement planning guide at
1: robblackshow.com. Honest, straightforward, and right to the point. The Rob Black Show.